Hi everyone, it's Giselle and welcome to The World Through Our Eyes. We're here with two special guests today. They both studied abroad in Ghana from CSUIP. So we have Sydney Fellows and Talea Hudson. And we're just going to be talking about their study abroad experience. They're going to be sharing some information with you, um, some tips, what their life was like after studying abroad, and just anything else they want to share with us. So to start off, we can start with Sydney, if you'd like. You could tell us a bit about your general experience in Ghana. Like I was doing a little bit of research and I saw that they have a lot of um, national parks and like beaches and all of that. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I think that was one of the things that kind of drew me to Ghana saying like, oh, I wish I would have gone there too. That seems really cool. But I don't know. Did you have any uh, favorite spots to go to or anything like that? Yeah, so I was there quite a while ago now. I was in there 2014 and 2015, which was kind of interesting because when we got there, we were they were like, we might pull you out anytime because Ebola is happening just a couple countries away. Um, so even like some of the other international students got like went for a week and then left because they're they were nervous or scared. Obviously, it's not the same situation that's happening now, but I'm sure and know similar things like we were super lucky with our advisors auntie Elsie and auntie Rose one of the things that I love about Ghana and when I hear about other people's experiences were just how much of like a family it felt because they took us around like they took us to different beaches across the coast they took us up north like all the way to Mole Tamale like really far north we got to go to so many awesome places and the first semester was definitely because there's also the UC kids there too. And there's always a lot more UC than us who stay for a year. So the first time, the first semester was a lot of like traveling all over and it was super cool as a group together. And so we really got to like bond as like the California kids, which was really awesome. But yeah, beaches are beautiful. Malay's beautiful. I guess my favorite place, one place they didn't take us was this place, Agzine Beach, which is just like I wish I could put pictures on a podcast because it's just gorgeous. Like it's so pretty. And yeah, I feel like without pictures, I can't really describe it, but yeah. Yeah. And then Talia, I would be interested in that too. Cause I noticed that was something that happened in Spain. I didn't know if it was just because we were kind of thrown into study abroad, what we decided to do it, but if that's why our group got along, but now like hearing Sydney, like say like, oh, we all kind of got along. So I'm kind of curious if that was kind of the same for you as well and you can share like your favorite part so at the international I'll call it the international office in Ghana at UG there's obviously a lot of collaboration between the UC and CSU kids but before that my little cohort from Sonoma State that year I think there were five or six of us which is like the biggest group I think Sonoma State has ever sent to Ghana and we were, we had this Facebook group or a little Facebook messenger group chat. And every day after we got our acceptances, we were in there talking about anything from like cultural norms we found out or power adapters we needed to get or traveling during breaks. And so by the time we were all at SFO or there was one of us who was at um, LAX getting ready to go on our flights, we'd already established like a pretty close friendship among our little group. And then once we met with like the other CSU kids, I realized that I knew one of them. Some of them were from SS State as well. So 
I'm from San Francisco, so I had that bond with them there. Uh, so it was really easy for us among the CSU group to connect those ties and, you know, make those friendships. But yeah, and then you also, you know, have the turnover of the UC students. A lot of them leave at the semester point. Some of them extend and then we got new UC kids. Uh, but, you know, at that point we were like there for a semester. We knew everything. We knew how to get on the tro-tro. We knew who at the night market was like not gonna finesse us for a mango. But yeah, I think they're like definitely that camaraderie of like being a single cohort going to this new place, having kind of a similar background, definitely helped with, you know, making friends and acclimating to Ghana. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I remember for us, it was like that too. We had students that would come in halfway through the, or not halfway, um, for second semester. And it was kind of funny because you already knew the places to go hang out. You knew like where to go to get good food. So you could kind of make friends that way as well. Um, so I thought that was that was fun that you mentioned. And I didn't write it on here, but you did talk a little bit about the transportation. Like, how was that? Was it difficult to kind of get used to at first? Or do you think it was pretty easy? It was it's pretty easy. Uh, though for like the trotros, especially during um, like peak hours are a nightmare. It'll take you like an hour to go what would usually take 15 minutes especially like if you're coming from like a crowd mall going back to campus it's it's a nightmare you just want to get out and walk but I think the coolest part about using trotros to travel are just the sites that you see so whether it be um, vendors selling things or like odd little shuffles between car drivers or watching motos just speed by or women selling snacks and sachets of water I think that was the best part because riding on a trotro is definitely not comfortable by any means. And I think Sydney will agree with that. But there's also uh, taxis and Ubers there. Uh, I know on campus, a lot of us would use taxis to get from our hostel to campus uh, because no one wants to walk at, after a certain point. Um, our campus also had a shuttle, which was really great. Well, I should say sometimes we had a shuttle, sometimes we didn't. It was very inconsistent. But yeah, there's definitely ways to get around. No, well, I was just going to say, like, this, like, dates me. Because when I was in Ghana, there was no Uber. Um, like, that wasn't an option. So it was either a taxi or a trocho. So, like, my second semester when I was doing my, I know we're going to talk about it later. But when I was doing my, the work thing, I, like, had to take the trocho by myself very far, like, three days a week. But also, I think it was interesting what she was saying about having like a big group of kids before you even showed up because my experience was very different in total for CSU. All the CSUs, there were seven of us. Um, and I was one of two girls from Sonoma. And we actually, when we showed up at SFO, UC and CSUs were all on the same flight. So we got to like meet each other at the airport and be on the airplane together and then come in together. The first semester, there was like seven of us plus like 30 UC kids, but then almost all but like three UC kids leave and so the second semester I did actually get to make a lot of like good friends from other places that are in the U.S. Yeah I think just because we were so small we did have that really close connection but I remember being super sad when like all these UC kids were leaving because we had such a small little like group of us left but second semester was great too. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think anything matches that sadness of when yeah. all the kids leave. Um, no, I, I, 
<laughs> I did a lot of traveling when I was studying abroad. And I, a lot of my like little travel group was UC students and they were gone. I'm like, who am I supposed to travel with now? There were so many tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I mean, speaking of that, do you, do you still kind of like keep in contact with some of those people or like, not really? Do you think you're still kind of friends and everything? I mean, I'm sure Talia does. I'm six years out and I have people who were American. Even like I had this group of like Liberian friends randomly who have friends in Baltimore. And since I live in DC, like I, I once in a while, will just get people that I know from Ghana or being in Ghana that like are just around here like even my best friend was like Nigerian but he stayed at Ish and like came out to DC to visit family and I just still like keep in contact and like keep connecting with those people and it's like really awesome even my roommate like in Ghana she random she was only there first semester and then a couple more months because she found a boy but <laughs> she, she stayed for a couple more months and she was here like a year ago was like oh I'm coming to DC let's hang out so yeah I'm definitely still really good friends with almost all the people that I was super close with when I was there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm definitely closer with the other California students that I studied with, opposed to the Ghanaian friends that I met while I was in Ghana. My roommate that um, I had, we're still super close to this day. One of the other girls from Sonoma State, I talk to her every day, um, even though our conversations are mostly just TikToks, dozens <laughs> of TikToks a day. But yeah, those are friendships I'll definitely cherish because they were forged in such a unique circumstance, like random Californian people. It's almost like an episode of like real world or something mm -hmm. like <laughs> a, a bunch of random people going to a seemingly random place and living there for a year. The the relationships made the trials triumph. I don't know. Um, How many flashes but, in my head right now with you talking? Yeah, <laughs> all the memories. I, yeah, all the memories, all the memories. Uh -huh. That's so funny. Yeah, because it's something I tell people when they're like, oh, why should I study abroad? Or I'm kind of thinking about it, but you know, like I'm kind of not sure. And I'm just like, if you think about it, you're, or at least the people that I've talked to do say that they make friends for life. Like I know it sounds really cheesy, um, but you definitely meet people that you're going to be friends with for a long time. And I think it's, it just has to do with like going through a lot together. Like I know I was very homesick the first few months and it was kind of rough sometimes but I found that when I talked to the other people that were there they were like oh I'm feeling the same way so we would all hang out together watch movies and maybe like cry a little but then we were fine and it was just kind of like that little niceness of like having comfort people there with you and I think that brought us closer together too so it's it's kind of nice it's nice to see that like you still stick around with each other and talk and everything and yeah and I mean this this next question I am a complete like foodie like I love food like food is amazing I love traveling to eat new foods um and so I wanted to ask was was there like any food that you really enjoyed from there or just snacks like I know snacks change like depending on the countries and like there's some stuff that you can't find here and that's like sad when you come back and you don't have your favorite snacks so I just I wanted to know a little bit of that so um I don't know who wants to start off with the food. Well, there's a lot. I'll let Talia go first. There's so much. Okay. <laughs> so, so the first thing that comes to mind is wache, which is like a beans and rice dish. 
and you usually eat it with like noodles or salad or like a hard boiled egg with like some like a spicy sauce. So that's like the first thing that comes to mind. Like if I landed in Ghana right now, that would be the first thing I'd go to the night market and get because it's it's like a very simple food. Like a lot of, you know, non-Western cultures have like staple beans and rice dishes. And I think they're all great. But I don't know, it's something about the experience, at least for me, of going to the night market, getting like two CDs of Wache and a, a bag with, you know, my two eggs and walking back after a long day of classes. That was like really special. Uh, also like egg sandwiches. Egg sandwiches in Ghana were so good on um, butter bread. Good. <laughs> it, it, it's going to sound so random to people who haven't eaten it, but like three eggs, veggies on uh, butter bread with maybe like a side of like avocado, but it's called pear there. Excellent. 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 It sounds delicious, actually. Like it sounds so good. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's a really filling breakfast. So it gets you through the day. I'm with you. I love food. I think like we were saying, we had that group, but when everybody left my second semester, I maybe hung out with two Californians and all Ghanaians and Liberians and Nigerians. So they would like take me to different spots, but there's like a couple of places that I really love. And my favorite of all time is Banku and tilapia. Banku is like a dough kind of, and it's with fermented like corn and um, cassava. And then you like eat it with like a full fish, everything's still there. And then you have like the, um, the pepe, which is like basically salsa. But, but if you were to like tell somebody who's not from Ghana or hasn't been there, but like, it's my favorite thing. I'm also a huge fufu light soup with tilapia and goat all day, every day. That's my spot. What else? Oh, ooh. and I could go for some boiled yams with contumery stew. And contumery is like, kind of like spinach. It's like, if you put spinach and collard greens together, would you say that's right, Talia? Sort of. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that with like eggs and usually some kind of fish, like uh, like mashed up fish. Like, I don't know, what is it? Maybe similar to like anchovies almost, but not. And you like have a boiled yam and you always like use the yam to eat the consumer. I, the, I, I eat everything, but, <laughs> but those are, and even it sounds so dumb, but I'm sure Talia, you feel the same way. Indomie, it's really just ramen noodles, <laughs> but they make it so perfectly with like some cut up veggies and some eggs and like I could eat indomie every day of my life you you can walk down the street and go to a corner and some woman is gonna make you some dope indomie so <laughs> those are my favorites the place I went to in Osu was like purple pub uh oh. they had like the best chicken and the best yam chips and like I would go there in the day because it was so good so one thing that's really sad though that I'm just remembering is over the, so in between my semesters, there was a really intense storm and the entire night market, we haven't really talked about the night market, but it's really like a stone's throw away from our hostel, but everybody on campus goes to it. And UG is its own city, right? Like it's Legon. You got East Legon, you got West Legon, but like UG is Legon and things are really far away, but everybody goes to the night market and Unfortunately, halfway through when I was there, there was a storm and the th the things that like covered everyone just got blown away and everything was in the mud. It was so sad. So I'm sure today when you were there, they had like the big structures and everything, but that was really traumatic when like the night market had that happen. But luckily they got like a really big, nice covering instead of just, you know, wood panels. But yeah, favorite place where you go to eat. <laughs>
And like for clarification's sake, again, for people who haven't been to the night market, uh, it's not only at night. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I thought when I first was there. I'm like, well, okay, we eat the night market at night, but like, what about the rest of the day? It's almost like a 24 hour, like one-stop shop. You can get a mop there. You can get a watermelon there. You can get fufu there. You can get banku there. You can, you can get also, there. You could also go buy a phone there or a SIM card. Yeah. You could buy like soap you can it's literally anything you would ever need it's not just food either it's they have anything and if you don't see it like because there's just a bunch of stuff if you don't see it you ask them if they have it they'll pull it out of some random spot they have what you need like it's great this is so awesome I don't know it was like so cool to just kind of um listen right now because I feel like you you both studied different years you know you studied there different years but just like hearing like oh the place that's like right here next to like this and how you just understood each other so well I was like oh my gosh this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) but yes that sounds oh that sounds like a story like I would need like right now but yeah I mean you kind of you've kind of talked about this one just like housing arrangements um I think I was reading it depends like what campus you go to. Like some people are placed or is everyone placed in like, I think there's a student hostel, right? Did you both have that experience? Yeah, we're all placed in the same place. We all stay at the student hostel. At least that's how it was for me. Yeah, so at least all the students were all um, at ish. There's ish one and there's ish two. Uh, We had like a few students at ish two, but for the most part, everyone's in ish one some of the UC students and particularly their girls they're able to stay in Volta Hall which is for women only but I don't think any of the CSU students hit that but yeah the way it works at least during my year Sydney we all just got randomly assigned roommates I knew in like a very general broad sense that there were singles and I wanted a single really bad but um, I didn't know the process for that. So I got a roommate and I was like very annoyed because I always have roommates. I really wanted a single, but my roommate ended up being like my one-stop shop for contacts in Ghana. We really hit it off. We had really strangely similar backgrounds and that kind of made being roommates with her really fantastic. Some other CSU students uh, get paired with Ghanaian students as well. Uh, and those were always interesting mashups because Ghanaian students like wake up at the crack of dawn and they're like doing their cleaning, making their meals and stuff because they know better. They know as soon as it hits like eight o'clock, it's sizzling outside. No one's going to want to work when it's hot. But, you know, as California students, we like to laze around. And so a lot of the times there would definitely be like, you know, some disgruntling feelings from or some disgruntled feelings from both parties. Yeah, we, we, everybody, everybody who was a California student, at least first semester, they all had a roommate and all of our roommates were also California students. So we had already like traveled around a little bit together before we even moved into the international hall. We like all stayed at Volta Hall, like guys and girls before the school opened. And then we like moved over into Ish. So we had already kind of met each other and like gotten to travel with each other. So maybe we'd known each other for like a week and a half, two weeks. And then we kind of just like picked our roommates. So that was kind of nice because we'd like known each other beforehand. And like I said, me and my roommate, she's such an interesting person. Like as soon as we left Ghana, she was graduating from a UC and spent 48 months in Madagascar in the Peace Corps. And like I stayed in contact with her the whole time. It's just, there's so many interesting people that you meet. So we didn't have that same thing, but definitely second semester, some people decided to go into single rooms. I got really lucky. 
And because my roommate was only supposed to be there for one semester, but then stayed a little bit longer and paid to stay, I never got a roommate. So I had a double room and I would put the beds together and I had a whole place to myself, which was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking of that because I mean, the housing is just different in, in different programs. So I was kind of looking into that and I don't know why I thought I had read like it was either you stayed in like a dorm or you stayed in the um, student hostel and so like I was looking into that because I know for us in in Spain or at least in Granada we had to find our own apartments which was like kind of like stressful I think at first we stayed in a hotel for two weeks while we were there um, and then we had to go find our own apartments like we got help for it but for me that was the first time I like had ever looked at an apartment so of course it was like the contracts and like having your advisor read over it to make sure they wouldn't scam you and everything so that was that was a lot of fun and I think I was I was crying every day no I'm just kidding it wasn't it wasn't that bad but I was kind of like wow I wonder if the experience would have been different like living in a dorm and also like getting placed because we chose our roommates I guess in a sense like I chose to live with two other girls from California um but I kind of think about it sometimes and I'm like dang what if I would have gone to like live with other students that maybe were from other countries like maybe I would have learned more about other places but I I think my time was fun so I don't really regret that so it was like nice to hear how your experiences went and how you met your roommates and like everything went pretty well it sounds like I hope so I'm sure me and Talia could talk for like a whole hour just about ish, but that's all we're here for. Yeah. And also for clarification, at or at UG at least, all of the like dorms are called like halls or hostels. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like, oh, I'm going to like XYZ dorm or whatever. Yeah, uh, no yeah, which I thought was strange because like when I, I remember, you know, looking at all the, you know, the forms that you get when you accept um your offer like I'm living in a hostel for a year like what but yeah it's okay, just that's, that's what I thought too I was like wait like a hostel like where you go travel that's why I was like do they keep the same people there or do they switch but it makes sense it makes sense that it's like the word for yeah and I don't know if it was the same for Talia but since there were a lot more, less international students it sounds like the international hostel wasn't just study abroad people it was also international students from other countries who are there for four years So like there were people who I lived two doors down from who were Nigerians or Liberians who have like been there a couple years. And so you can like be buddies with them and they can show you around too. So it wasn't just only California kids and only kids from other international places who like had just been there for the first time. There was a mix. And there's definitely like an area downstairs, like a big table. I don't know if you guys did this, but like everybody would go downstairs and we would play Monopoly or Spades. But that's like another way we bonded because I don't know if she had this too. But when I was there, we had this thing called Dumso. And I don't want it to sound make it sound bad and you shouldn't go there. You should go. But Dumso is like when the light goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Because for a while we would have 24 hours of no power, 12 hours of power, 24 hours no power. So some days it would be like 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. and then the next time it would be like 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. so you'd have to like navigate your day like when she was saying you get up at the crack of dawn like we would be like oh the power's out everybody run to the shower because it's on an electric pump and if you don't get in the shower like if you're on the top floor you have to go down to the bottom floor to take a shower like so yeah I was there in a very interesting time (laughs) but but yeah, so I think we all bonded over that too, because it's like when the power is out and it's too hot in our rooms, we all like can hang out in like 
what's the word for it? Like a quad almost in the center of the hostel because it's all outside, even though it's like inside. So that was cool, but yeah. Okay, well, I don't know if Talia wanted to add anything else to that. If not, um, we can also just go in. If you have like anything else you wanna share just about your experience in Ghana, I know we like covered a lot of stuff right now and then we'll like go more into career and like school afterwards but I don't know if you guys have anything else to share from just like your living experience there. I do want to talk about Ish a little bit more because Ish was really like living in like a full service like high-rise apartment it's only like four floors but there was like a laundry a laundromat we could go to there was a restaurant a convenience store hairdresser seamstress seamstresses not sure what the, the plural of that is but like you could spend whole days without li- leaving your hostel and like there are definitely like days where I did that like I'm just gonna be at ish all day and not leave and it's totally feasible to do that everything's right there that's one thing I was grateful for, especially the laundromat, because after like the first day, I'm like, I, hand washing is like a integral <laughs> uh, like experience, but it just wasn't for me. I didn't want to hand wash my clothes. I knew that going into Ghana, I was already looking at laundromats in Accra uh, just to find out my hostel had one. That also reminds me, the thing about clothes is before I came, everybody was like, okay, wear, like, it's going to be hot out. Also, like, you want to cover up at the same time. It's going to be hot, blah, blah, blah. And I showed up and I was like, wait, 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 no. Like, I should just be wearing my normal clothes. And I felt so bad for some people. They didn't even, like, bring a pair of heels or, like, whatever. And there's, like, a lot of nightlife and a lot of fun things. So that's, like, another thing when you was talking about the laundromat. Because I'm totally with you. You take them downstairs. You, like, give up on washing your own stuff. Although you might lose a thing or two, but it's totally fine because you get somebody else's stuff sometimes. Yeah, I never <laughs> mind losing things. I'm like, it's just a part of the trade. Like, yeah. I someone else may end up with like a sock or two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. But also there's Ghanaian students, they dress up. They go to class looking put together. It's not like at Sonoma State where you throw on some leggings and like your SSU hoodie, you got your freshman year, like classes and ordeal. And they also obviously dress nicely to show their respect for their professors and their instructors. And that was just something that took me a while to like get into the mindset of doing because it's high. I don't want to wear denim on this 90 degree day and but like it's definitely something that'll make you stand out as someone who's not from there especially me because I'm I'm black so if I you know keep my head down and don't open my mouth I could pass as Ghanaian but a Ghanaian student's not gonna show up to class wearing beat up vans leggings and a hoodie yeah like I would say obviously you want comfortable clothing to like hang out at ish like everybody I, I mean, even like our friends that are international students who like knew better, or Ghanaians even who know better, as soon as you get home, as soon as you go back to your hostel, you change into your comfortable clothes. But basically when you go to class, you dress up like you're going to a job interview. Like that's what I get. It's like guys are in button downs and girls are in like nice pants and a nice top or like a dress or like skirt and a top. There's not a single Ghanaian who's like, I'm just gonna wear a sweatshirt to this class. <laughs> or maybe there are a few, but like, I don't know. I, like she said, it's like a sign of respect and like a, that's like something that I think people should pay more attention to because I think we are a little bit lax here um but yeah 
Yes, I definitely noticed that in in Spain as well. And like with other European students, um, it was super funny. I wonder if it's just an American thing then like to go to class and like your leggings or sweats and a hoodie. Because I so I'm I'm so bad. So when I was at Sonoma, um, the last year I was there because obviously everything's on Zoom. So that's why I'm wearing a hoodie right now because I just had <laughs> class and um, I'm home. So but anyway, when I was at Sonoma, I would even wear my workout clothes to class so I could go work out at the rec center afterwards. And so then going to Spain and kind of seeing how everyone just kind of dressed like when you step outside of your house, you you need to look nice. And they have this like big thing that's kind of like, the way you present yourself shows whether you respect yourself or not or something like that or you respect others that like have to like look at you to interact with you it was some like something like that and I thought that was super interesting so now hearing that you all had like the same experience kind of I was like whoa so this is this is in more places as well and yeah it was like everyone dressed nice to to class if you if you did dress a little bit down your professors would ask you if you were okay if you were sick what was going on so I thought that was super interesting the way that the the rest of the world kind of sees life and like going to class going to work going like when you go out in general like you present yourself nicely and everything there's this other thing about Ghana that I always tell people is I just feel like people are so nice and like we trust each other in a different way like we don't like make like assumptions that the worst case scenario is going to happen and I know that that's like a weird thing to say specifically for laundry but I think it's like one anecdote but that's just how I feel about everything is like yeah you're just like things will come when they come, right? We're on GMT time, Ghana man time. Like, <laughs> we're chill. Um, also to that effect too, Ghanaians are super kind. And that was something for me that I was not used to. Like when people are just kind without any, you know, like provocation, it's like, yo, hold up. What do you want from me? Like, where's this going? Yeah. Like, but like people are just genuinely kind and like really want to help you out. And again, that's something that's super apparent at the night market. Because like every morning, like first semester, I'd go to the same lady. I'd get my my ground nuts and my bananas from her. And we would always have little conversations and tweet. tweet. And she would uh, like teach me little words or like tell me who to go to for like this kind of thing or that kind of thing. And she wasn't doing that like in hopes that like I would, you know, keep going to her. But just because she was like a nice person. It's like 100%. I think that's why some people are like, oh, I have, I had culture shock when I got there. And for me, I didn't really have culture shock when I got there because I just appreciated like how warm everyone was. And then when I got to the back to the US, woo, that was a culture shock to yeah, go we're, from we're, like, I took, I took months. There are like friends that I came back and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I <laughs> like, I don't know if I can, like, I want to be your friend, but like the energy is like not the same, like. I don't know. Do you know what I mean, Talia? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like reverse culture shock, even as someone who like worked, eventually worked in like the global engagement office and like understood what it was after experiencing it and could tell other students about it. But like, we definitely do not talk about reverse culture shock enough. Like my my whole first fall semester back at Sonoma State, I was low-key a wreck. Like I was not doing great academically. I really miss Ghana. I wasn't used to being back in like, an American school and especially learning in an American way, which is different than how you learn in Ghana. And I don't know if we'll talk about that, but um, yeah, like I was not really functioning that first semester 
And I really didn't understand what was going on until, you know, retrospect and I was able to look down on the situation. But reverse culture shock is heavy. Yeah. And like, just to put on top of it, like, I'm not talking down them, everyone who I have friends that they know, but like coming back, especially to Sonoma, you know what I mean? Like, we love it, but it's like, I don't know, we're in wine country and like, whatever. But even like, I was in a sorority and when I came back, I just like, couldn't stand doing like sorority things. Like, I just like stayed, I was like, I can't, like, I feel like everything feels so superficial right now. Like I, and I was like, I feel so mean, but it wasn't that I was mean. I just like missed the warmth that I had before. I don't know, it was just, yeah, (laughs) it was a rough time. Yes, like I remember I watched a whole bunch of videos when I got back on like reverse culture shock um, and and I didn't have like anything else to do because I had to quarantine in my room for like two weeks. So it was kind of like I was sitting there and I was like, well, I'm really sad right now. And like, I hate that I'm in my room and I hate that I'm in the US. So it was kind of like this like moment where I was like, okay, like, what do I do with myself now? And I think I talked to a lot of the people that I studied abroad with. And it was this like same thing, just like feeling like you weren't connecting with people like you used to. Um, And I feel like that is something like now that I think about it that we we don't really, I guess, talk about as much. Like, I know sometimes we talk about culture shock when you get there, but then when you come back, it's like, okay, like, what, what is this life that I'm living? And then I guess what Talia was saying kind of leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Like, I saw that in Ghana, they speak English, but there's also like a class that you can take, or I think everyone has to take that's in, mm-hmm. did I say that right? I hope so. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to ask like what that experience was with you if you ever like used it with people like I know Talia was telling us like you know that that lady would kind of help her and maybe she would have like little conversations with her and I think that's like nice kind of learn a new language like I know I went to Italy for just like a week um, and I don't really speak Italian but I would try like I would try to say some things to just kind of like I feel like you can connect with people more so I just want to know like what your experience was with that languages have never really been my thing ne- never have they I don't think they ever will be I I'm an English student and so I I hardly even get the language that I speak but I you know I could say like basic things like hello how are you my name is or the first thing I learned for example was which means I am very sick because I was very sick for like the first two months of being in Ghana, <laughs> which is fine. But that's, that was like my go-to or I can, I know how to say like rice, which is MO. I know like a bunch of random things, but I feel like it's important to at least attempt to learn the language of any place you're going to. Um, just so you, like you can show that you're not, you know, some annoying American who's, gonna speak in obnoxious English to everyone even if it's saying like when someone asks how you are is saying AA uh, they'll be like oh she knows she knows Chui. she's learning welcome like how are you you know it's definitely something warm for people to interact growing off that like as a white woman in Ghana or anyone who's not from Ghana like the fact that you're putting in that work people who don't know you who hear that out of your mouth they like they get excited because they see that like you respect that like you're not just gonna like keep pushing like I'm just gonna talk to you like I'm I'm actually like putting in an active effort to like be here in Ghana and not just like as like a tourist or a person who's like stopping by and then the other thing about language too is that since second semester like I said I didn't really spend as much time with Americans there's like pigeon which I know that they have pigeon everywhere so it's like the combination of like English and 
Shui or but also other languages in there and also there's like uh, some Nigerian influence like Nigerians and Ghanaians can speak to each other in pidgin even though it sounds kind of different so like there's little pidgin things that like I can kind of understand more because it's halfway between English and not and even like when I'm texting my friends sometimes there's a little bit of pidgin thrown in there which like reminds me of like speaking Shui or just like speaking pidgin and things like that too. And then I was going to ask, um, I know Talia had mentioned classes a bit. I didn't put it in the list. I think I only put the service project, but if classes um, were like a bit different compared to like the U.S., if you want to share a bit from that, we can share a bit of that. And then like what your service projects were as well. I have so many thoughts. Um, again, I'm an English major and I'm an English major who's interested in international education policy and just how education works in different places. And so to get a little bit technical, Ghana is a is unfortunately a former uh, British colony, not unfortunately in the fact that they're no longer a British colony, but unfortunately in the fact that they were a British colony to begin with. But because of that, in their schools, for the most part, from like K through college, they really do use like the British teaching model, which is very heavy on like lectures, being able to regurgitate essentially what your professor is saying and a lot of me like memorization. And it's also a lot of like independent studying, a lot of independent studying, which is something a lot of American students, myself included, weren't prepared for, especially as someone who like really appreciates being able to discuss things in class and being able to challenge your professor. Like, hey, you've said this, but like, based on what I've learned in my personal experience, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. And being able to have those like, you know, debates in classroom and have them be a learning experience. So that that's kind of like the biggest point also, uh, or the biggest aspect for me in which they are different. But there's also the way things are graded and like what kind of assignments you get. So in Ghana, it's kind of like all or nothing. Like 70% of your grade is like a final 30% is maybe a midterm and like somehow someplace they throw in participation. So it's like, if you tank one of those, your grade is pretty much tanked, uh, which was not, I didn't particularly enjoy that. For me, it was, felt like it was very high stakes, but it's also something that I knew going into Ghana. But yeah, those were like the two biggest differences. So I, I was a political science major, but full disclosure, I declared right before I left to Ghana because you had to declare to go abroad. Um, so I had to pick something and I had the most credits there. Yeah, it was my junior year. But so then when I was there, I actually only took one, like every semester I took one political science class and then I took all sociology classes, which were really interesting because, you know, sociology, like one of the things that I think, I don't want to say it's frustrating because it's not frustrating. It's just how unfortunately like she was saying former British colony and the way that you know it's set up is that a lot of times especially in sociology classes we were comparing things in Ghana or things in West Africa to American literature or to um, European literature and things like that and one thing I thought was interesting well it's also like big lecture halls there's no except for when we have our classes that are just the California students and we're doing our tweet classes and we're all together, there's no discussion. It's not, there's no discussion. It's just listening to the professor. There, there were times where I actually did like go into like office hours with a professor or two. And then that's like a time to talk to them. But in class, like there's really like, they're not gonna know your name, like except that you're the American student. So they're gonna know your name, but like, that's just not, the type of vibe it is and it's totally how I had it too and she was saying she was sick I was 
extremely sick for finals second semester. But but yeah, so I did all sociology classes in Ghana and I loved them so much that I became like a social minor when I came back and all I had to do when I got back to Sonoma was take soci- the intro to social class. <laughs> and it was like, I had everything else. So I, I don't know if you feel this way too. It's a lot of memorizing, which I don't feel like it's something that we're used to here. Like it's a lot of memorizing facts and literally memorizing sentences or things like that. And like, that's your test. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a ton of rote memorization. And I'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk yeah. about surviving. But it was just a really interesting way to learn. And how you feel about teaching models and education models, that's like your opinion. But I know for me, it just wasn't the best way for me to learn because I wasn't able to talk about the things I was learning. And there wasn't a way for me to apply the things that I was learning, if that makes sense. For example, I was taking a African-American literature course because that wasn't something I could take at Sonoma State. There are very few quote-unquote ethnic literature courses and we would have these like one-sided discussions where we would read and not be able to talk about our thoughts but the professor was like oh you read this so you should have felt this way about it. Mm -hmm. I was like "Mm, no but okay but yeah a lot of memorization a lot of the expectation of just being a sponge and being able to retain all the things your professor is saying and the things that they aren't saying. For example, in the U.S., if we are assigned like XYZ pages of literature and we don't go over all of them in class, we know that we'll go over them in class again another day. But in Ghana, that's not that's not it. Even if your professor is like, here's a book, it's on the reading list, uh, and you never talk about that book in class, it's still your responsibility to read it because you will probably be examined on it, even though you haven't spent a minute of class time talking about it, which for me was like difficult. And going off that too, there's not, especially for my political science classes, we would have these like big, thick texts that we're supposed to read, but it would be like five people in the class have the text, and then you have to find one of those people in the class and go with them to the copy room and you'd have to copy all the pages. You can't just like go get a textbook for certain classes. Oh my like God. you have to copy God. the pages, lots and lots of pages from these textbooks, read them, things you're never gonna talk about in class, like she said, but like you need to read them in order to pass the, the finals. Like, so that was hard too, is chasing people. But at the same time, I think at least for my classes, it was like a way where there are like a few students who I never would have met if I hadn't had to do that, that I'm like still good friends with. I was kind of reading into the service project stuff. I was thinking about this and I was like, what would I have done if I would have gone? And I think there was an option for like working with kids as well, right? Because I I mean, I like working with kids. And I was like, I think I, I would have liked to do that. But I was curious, what was the service project that y'all ended up doing? So since you're talking about kids, I'll start because I worked with kids. So I worked for an organization called Street Girls Aid. I didn't really know what I was going to do when I showed up, but basically what Street Girls Aid is, is they are, they have like a hub, like a main hub that has essentially like rooms for women that are seven months pregnant or have just had a baby who live on the streets or are homeless. And so there they can, you know, get prenatal care, get postnatal care. And there's also like classes within the like main building. I showed up there once, I only went there once, and then I had, they had a couple other, like, places where there were schools, so I worked at one of the schools where the women who had, like, been through this program, I worked with, like, two and three-year-olds, and they're so cute, and none of them speak the same language, and it's so amazing, so we're all, like, not speaking the same language with each other, and it's fabulous, but 
I mean, honestly, I would be in a classroom with like 45, two and three year olds where it's just a room and we have a couple toys to play with, with me and like two other women who worked there. I mean, obviously it's like an NGO and we're understaffed, but mine was really just like, to be honest, just like hanging out with these kids whose moms would drop their kids off there in the morning. They would go to the market there. They would go to a class. I mean, it was difficult because where I was working was an area that definitely was like more impoverished and like, I mean, it was kind of hard, but some of those kids are my favorite. But yeah, it was difficult some days, definitely. But I mean, it was a pretty great organization in an area where it's not something that anybody who works there is going to make a ton of money, right? So I mean, it was rough. But yeah, I was just like hanging out with kids, feeding them, bathing them, all the things. Like I was in there (laughs) hanging out with my kiddos. So for my service learning project, I knew that I didn't want to work with like an NGL. I knew that I wanted to work with something that was Ghanaian based and would continue to be there after I left. Or it's like, not that I'm like some essential part or whatever, but I didn't want to like contribute to some, you know, fleeting Western organization or whatever. So I decided to work right down the road uh, or not work, but, you know, volunteer at the University of Ghana's basic school, which is like, I want to say like their K through eight school or pre-K through eight school on campus. And I was an assistant English teacher and I worked with 11 to 12 year old students. So like fifth, sixth grade students. And it was awesome. I loved it. The teacher gave me the opportunity to teach some lessons to the students. And that was really fun. It was also a really great way to learn more about Ghana and more about the culture because kids are so eager to share what they know. And they're also eager to learn about like what I already know about their culture like on the first day they were like do you know who ebony is i'm like yeah i love ebony i know who she is Uh, you know rest in peace she you know unfortunately died that year i was there but it was it was so awesome and it also really influenced kind of like my quote-unquote career path now for example before i went to ghana i really really wanted to work with middle school age students and after studying abroad i was like you know what i don't want to do that one they are hyper little demons but also I'm more interested in being their friend opposed to being a teacher for them which isn't like the best relationship to have with your student that experience also sparked an interest and want to learn more about international education policy because of the things I observed like how students are learning most of their lessons are like teacher write something on the board kids copy it down kids repeat it back to the teacher or like even the text sometimes that they were reading and I was like wow I understand why this is a model here and why this works here but why like why wouldn't this work somewhere else or why wouldn't this work for a certain group of students you know so that's why I got more interested in kind of how education works on a global scale. Thanks for sharing that I think that was one of the things we were going to talk about next is just like how do you feel that studying abroad change your life or change you or impact you Or just like um, Talia said, how it it helped her decide what she wanted to do or figure that out, her career path a bit more. So yeah, I'm just curious, Sydney, if you feel like it it impacted you or helped you decide what you wanted to do. I could probably write you a whole book, but I won't write it out. And I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to scare anybody, but Talia already kind of talked about being sick. So I mean, my second semester, when we did the service projects, I worked with these kids. I also, the last two semesters, I had malaria a few times. And at one point I had typhoid fever and malaria at the same time. Spent a lot of time in the hospital my last month there and took took my finals when I was really sick. But to really 
impactful things I did was, you know, getting sick, spending a lot of time in hospitals, spending time with those kids. Also, when we went up north to Tamale, I, me and two girls, we found this like random guy who was so nice and wanted to show us around. And I actually went to like three different traditional healers. Um, and I, I mean, I could write a whole book about everything I learned from them because I went home and wrote everything down. But I actually, I came back, like I said, reverse culture shock real bad, got a bunch of Ghanaian tattoos, like I did all the things. But then I was like, okay, I really want to get into global health. That is what I want to do. Even though I just graduated with political science and sociology, I was like, I thought I wanted to do international relations. And I'm like, nope, that's not what I want to do anymore. So I went back to Ghana a little bit after I graduated for like two months and just was like there people were like oh what are you doing like you're gonna go work for something I was like no I'm gonna stay in an Airbnb and hang out with my friends um, but while I was there I started really thinking about public health and what it's gonna be so actually in December I graduated with my master's in public health from George Washington University and I did it in global health program design monitoring and evaluation and when I really went into it to begin with I was doing it for how do I say, I can never totally say it right, but basically I think there are a lot of ethical issues with the way that Western medicine or modern medicine kind of just assumes no one else is doing things correctly and we need to come in here and fix. And even in my program, I felt like I was still kind of battling that a little bit. But so that's kind of what I went into it, but then it still just went off. I did a lot of mental health and mental health and humanitarian settings, global mental health. I did some program design stuff. I mean, it's just kind of gone all over the place. I'm not working like West Africa specific anymore, but I was working at a center at GW called the Center for Community Resilience. We're like consultants for county level public health departments in the U.S. So we have like a couple in like Cambridge, Massachusetts or like Mesa, Colorado or whatever. And I do qualitative research. So I think the story is really, really important. And that's what I felt like I got when I was like there on the ground listening and just like taking it in rather than like writing down numbers, you know? So for me, it's really like medical anthropology. Like I took a sociology of medicine class when I was in Ghana too. And my mind was just like blown. So like medical anthropology and ethnography. And so now what I do is like qualitative research and we like come into these departments and really think about equity in health. So we take like a topic that a certain department is dealing with, like a place in Colorado, we were dealing with like xenophobia because it's like a very red state and there's a lot of immigrants undocumented and documented and just this weird thing. Or like in Cambridge, Massachusetts, we focused on multi-sector collaboration and in Cambridge, Massachusetts, we were talking about um, suicidality and men and boys of color. Like, so it's, we're really, I think that that equity part is really important, but for me, the qualitative research part is so important um, because what my role was talking to key informants and talking to people and really like, I think that that's one of the most like humbling and important things I learned in Ghana is everybody else knows more than you know. And so, especially from like a health perspective, a lot of people know more than you know, but people think they know more than you know. So even now I just graduated, don't know exactly what I want to do. COVID happened, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what Ghana has really done for me. And again, like I said, I've gone back to Ghana a few times. My like best guy friend in the whole wide world who I met when I was 19 and now we're 26 and like, we're best friends. And I went and visited him in Nigeria. Like it really has like shaped 100% the trajectory of what I want to like give back to the world because it's given so much to me. Congratulations on your master's. Thank you. <laughs> 
Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Talia, is there anything else you want to share for us? Like what you're up to right now? Currently, I'm working at a te- as a teaching intern at a school here in San Francisco. My duties vary, as all interns can talk about. But right now, I'm like teaching a like a hip hop unit for sixth grade students in their music class, which has been super fun. But I'm I'm young. I have a lot of things I'm interested in, all of them, and somehow connecting to education. Even right now, I'm kind of interning with the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion work at our school and learning more about that kind of work. And I'm still even looking at grad programs focusing on international education policy because I'm interested in it. Like someone asked me, what would you do with that degree? Like I have no fluffing clue. I just am really interested in like comparative international policy. And I know it's a crap ton of money to like spend on two years of something that I'm interested in, but uh, it's something I want to learn more about. I also am like trying to travel as soon as I can once we're out of this, you know, global panoramic, but I I know it's pandemic. I'm just being funny, but um, yeah, I'm just, you know, keeping my options open like you have to do in Ghana and just kind of seeing where the world takes me. But one thing I did want to add to was that studying abroad, like we say that this is a benefit of studying abroad. And I say we, like the Global Engagement Office, I know I stood up in front of students and talked about cross-cultural competency and not really knowing what that fully meant until I was out of that, you know, arena. But now I'm like, yes, cross-cultural competency. I have it. I'm so adept at being able to like talk to and relate to people from different backgrounds and from different places. And Ghana was definitely a big factor in like helping me gain that competency because one, I'm in a new country, but two, you're just exposed to so many different people, so many different viewpoints, so many different backgrounds that you probably haven't seen before. And I think this is something all study abroad, study away students can attest to. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to the school or career, but if not, we can just wrap it up with some tips or advice you have for future students that want to study abroad in, in Ghana, or if there's anything you wish you would have done differently or, or anything like that. One thing I wish I would have done differently is just not really pay much attention to the packing list we got. I brought buck spray, mosquito nets, didn't use any of it, left it all there in Ghana. You can't even buy those things in Ghana because no one uses them. Sunscreen, everyone should wear sunscreen. Unfortunately, I never wore sunscreen before going to Ghana. I brought a crap ton of sunscreen thinking, huh, I'll be close to the equator. Maybe I'll wear sunscreen. Still didn't wear sunscreen. But one thing I will say the packing list came in clutch for was like bringing your own sheets because sheets were really hard to find in Ghana, at least while I was there. Uh, And if you did find them, they were super expensive. Everyone says this, but like, look at all the things you're bringing, cut it in half, look at it again, cut it in half again, because you're gonna end up buying a crap ton of stuff. You're there for a year and then you won't have space. And then you're at the airport moving stuff around from all these humongous suitcases, trying not to pay this like 100 or like 50 pounds, you know, fee from, freaking British airways but yeah that's so funny because you like gave us those notes of like asking that question and I wrote the exact same thing about the packing books and clothes and things like that I think the other thing too is I obviously everyone's going to be really nervous when they go abroad but I think it's really important especially in Ghana where really 
everybody's so nice. I've tried to say this before. I don't know if everybody feels this way, but I mean, I'm from San Jose, so I'm also a Bay Area kid, but I feel safer like walking around the street at night in Ghana than I do sometimes in DC or in San Francisco or in San Jose. Like, I feel like people sometimes they go in like thinking like the worst case scenario, like I have to be really, really safe. But like, it's like, take those chances, meet those people that you may never meet in another life. I don't want to toot my own horn to Leia, but I met Shatawale and Eo and went to the Ghana Music Awards because I put myself out there. Like, I was like, I'm just going to be friends with people. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's important to like, really just let yourself because I know first semester I had so much fun with the people in California that I was close to and all the traveling was amazing but second semester I just made these deep rooted things because I just did it just jump on a trojo by myself and went somewhere and I know not everybody's confident with that but I think as long as you stay in good contact you're being self-aware it's really a place where you can just explore and part of that exploration is meeting incredible people so that's my biggest advice yeah I definitely want to elaborate on that being self-aware I feel like non-Western countries just have this rap of like being out to like tack, you know, quote unquote, rich foreign travelers. And that's not the case. It's just that people just aren't self-aware. If you have your thousand dollar camera, just snapping pics, even in San Francisco, you're liable to get it stolen. Just because it happens like in Ghana, it doesn't mean people are so much more likely to like steal your stuff. Cause that, that's like a misconception that like really bugs me, but being self-aware, everywhere. Like Sydney, I was super comfortable like going places on my own. I once took a trotro going nowhere, absolutely nowhere, just because I wanted to ride a motorcycle back because I loved riding on motorcycles and I paid a ridiculous amount of money to do that. But it was like an hour ride across Accra and I'm like, yeah, this some might consider this unsafe, but it was very fun for me. But yeah, just keeping yourself open to possibilities. I would also say definitely travel even outside of the CSU sponsored trips that you go on, which are technically a part of a class. So like find some friends, travel with them, even if it's like going to like Labadi Beach for a weekend or in October after I got there, I went to Togo with a couple of friends for the weekend, which was really fun. I definitely recommend traveling around West Africa. I did a couple of long haul trips outside of Africa as well, or outside of Ghana and outside of Africa as well. But um, yeah, definitely hype it up because when you're on that side of the world, everything is just so much more accessible because like, you know, flying from Ghana to London is like a six hour flight, whereas San Francisco to, you know, this side of the world is like 12 hours. Take advantage of it. And my last thing, I don't know if it's an advice and I kind of said it earlier, but when I got back, I realized how lucky we were to be in Ghana with our advisors. Cause we, like you said, like you had to find an apartment on your own. Like not only did we have places to stay, we had trips to go on. Like we got on big buses and went on trips for like a week and a half, two weeks. And we, we had money for like buying things, but like we had meals ready to go. We got to try all these different things. We were so lucky to be totally immersed. We totally didn't get into it right now, but I, I'm sure to like one of the biggest things is like going to Elmina Slave Castle, like these places that we would never think of going that are totally going to give you this perspective that, I don't know, like it depends on the person you are, but I think it changes. I mean, we talked about it, going abroad changes people's lives, but I think we were extremely lucky to be somewhere where, like we said, everybody's so loving and trusting, but it also like helped us I feel like we got to do even more than a lot of people get to do. And I always say that is the best place to send abroad, but I also didn't work in the 
abroad offices like you have. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my other thing. Okay, last, also last, like final last thing. And Sydney, you mentioning uh, Elmina made me think about it. But there are definitely some people who just aren't ready to experience a place like Ghana. It definitely takes a lot of emotional maturity, a lot of, I don't want to say advanced social development because that sounds weird, but like being able to like recognize, for example, the context that you're in, like going to a slave castle, understanding that, hey, maybe this isn't the time to be taking pictures or taking selfies. Maybe this is a place where you should be contemplative and reflective. And that was like something a lot of my fellow California students weren't prepared for. And it caused a lot of tension in our group, especially along racial divides, because our group was very like black and white. And it definitely caused friction. Definitely a lot of conversations that were had among our entire group. But um, yeah, do research, make sure you're going to Ghana for the right reasons. I know the service learning aspect is very appealing for some students who are like, yeah, I want to work with this foundation and help change Ghana and make it a better place. But that's, that's not what Ghana is looking for. No place needs, you know, Americans with a hero complex to go there. But yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Wait, I know we're stopping, but I'm just going to follow that up really fast. Because again, like as a white person who's lives in California like we have a different war like we're taught differently we we're not taught what we should be being taught there are things that I learned in Ghana that I will never have got to learn in the U.S. even just like you're saying that like social maturity and I mean again like we said we're super close to a lot of those people because we had those difficult conversations that we may have never even had if we were in the U.S. um so yeah that just like made me think of that as well. Yes, I want to thank you both for sharing. And I don't know, I think it's super cool to just be here and get to talk to like other alumni that got to do this, obviously different places that we went to. But I feel like overall, I, I like to think that studying abroad does help you kind of grow as like a person and even become a better version of yourself. And I think that's, that's what I saw with both of you. Like I've seen, I don't know, I see like wonderful people this is going to be it for this Ghana episode of The World Through Our Eyes. Thank you so much, Sydney and Talea, for being here with me tonight. And yeah, we'll see you next time.